0: Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Buenos dias. We doing good? You sure? Ready for God's word today? We want to greet everybody... uh, watching online or listening to this later, Uh, and uh, today we're going to do this a little bit different. Is that okay? Not just the sitting down part, but uh, it it was going to be Liz's turn to share the word this morning, and she said, how about we do it together, like a tag team type thing, and I'm like, well, we do everything together already, (laughs) so why not? (laughs) We are continuing, and I'm going to stand up for this part, and then I'll sit back down. All right. We are continuing in our 2021 year-long theme. Multiply with that. How about we go to our year-long memory verse, our theme verse, which is Acts 6-7. Okay, let's say it together, and then the reference at the end. Ready? One, two, three, go. Then... Acts 6, 7. How is it that the disciples multiplied greatly? What happened first? The word of God spread. And that has been, you know, our, uh, our, our main goal, our main aim this year is to really get through the words of Jesus. And we told you guys at the beginning of the year, and we're starting to pick up some momentum on this that by the end of 2021 we will have read word for word through the gospel of mark focusing in um, on the words of jesus right because when the words of jesus spread what happens to the disciples they multiply multiply. what what is our goal this year to multiply. multiply multiply the culture of jesus through the words of jesus and you know We've learned a lot from the Gospel of Mark so far. We're actually already more than halfway through it. We're racing against time to be done before Christmas, and we're going to do it. Who, how many of you think we can do it? We can get it done, right? That's
1: a spray for us. Yeah.
0: So today we're actually going to cover an entire chapter, chapter 9 of the Gospel of Mark. So get ready to listen in fast forward. Get ready to take notes in fast forward, although we're not going to, like, speed through it. In fact... Today, uh, more than being like a sermon with three points in it, we're going to have just more like a conversation throughout Mark chapter 9. It's a pretty long chapter. So we're just going to take it story by story and get through the end of the chapter, and we're going to have it more sort of like a conversation, and then at the end, you guys, there, you know, there's one kind of main thread that runs throughout Mark 9. In fact, we've been... Sort of looking at it already in Mark 8, okay? Last Sunday, if you were here, we learned that you can have good revelation, but a bad attitude, right? We learned that you can have the right revelation about Jesus, but the wrong attitude when it comes to following Jesus. And a lot of that has to do with wrong expectations. And we're going to just kind of continue with that theme today. And uh, I believe we're going to come away readier than ever to follow Jesus. Right. So, help us to understand a little bit of the history of Mark 9 before we start to read it.
1: Okay. So you know, um, reading I've been reading Mark 9 for a while now, and we've talked about a lot uh, about Mark 9 a lot. And just uh, I am so excited because we just discovered some pretty awesome truths that I think are going to set us all free today. Yes. Um, you know, you need to understand that chapter eight. You know, remember the, the kind of like the the grand moment of that chapter is when Jesus says, "Who do you say I am?" Yeah. Right? And we need to understand that for them, you know, they did not know if he was a Messiah or not. You know, they. They, that, it was just that happening they they believed he kind of looked like the, he is a messiah and then having like is he the messiah or not mm-hmm. and then in chapter eight we get to jesus is like who do you say i am and peter is like you are the messiah so for them it's like wow you know he is a messiah the one we've been following so i want to start first with a timeline of our history our first timeline picture i want you to see this because it's, you're going to have a greater understanding so, look at that timeline, right? We have creation, we have uh, Jesus' birth. These are some major um, history events that have changed our lives, right? And then uh, we have um, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Do you see that? Then we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit that was kind of changed the, the, our lives and history. The, and then the church was born, right? Yes. Then we have uh, the years going through. We are somewhere in between like 2000 and Jesus returns. So we know when Jesus returned, we don't know. So that's where there's a question mark. But we're in, the, in there, like at the beginning of the 2000s, right? So when we are reading the Bible, when we're reading the scripture, when we're reading Mark 9, we are coming with a perspective of we already know that Jesus is the Messiah, right. Right? right? And maybe if you're like, what are you talking about? Well, you're going to get to know Jesus the Messiah today. So that is just we know when we read the Bible, we're reading through, those, through, through that perspective. Now I want you to put my other timeline because this is a timeline of the disciples of Jesus. That's our timeline. Does that make sense? They they know about creation. They know about the prophets. They know they've read all about the Old Testament. That's what they, their history is, and. And they know that Jesus was born and that he could be the Messiah, right? So, But, but Jesus has not um, died or resurrected yet. So they don't, know, they don't have that in history. Does that make sense? But in chapter 8, he is telling them, right. who do you say I am? And then Peter is like, the Messiah. And then he's like, yes, that's right. So in that chapter, it's kind of like starts history getting more real for them. Right? So now, do you see the difference now? Because sometimes we, th- we read the Bible and we try to inter- interpret how we're living now. But for them, their culture, what was happening was different. Does this help you to see? Yeah. Different. Okay. So now, chapter Mark 9 comes. Okay. So they were uh, exposed. Clearly, Jesus telling them that he is the Messiah. Now let's go to, to, to chapter 9. And there are four stories in chapter 9. Say Four. Okay, hey, we're talking here in this cloudy weather. Don't fall asleep on me. Don't fall asleep on me. So four stories that, that have something in common. Even though these stories are long, and if definitely you could preach like three or, or four sermons out of each story. We're just going to focus on, on what these stories have in common. And like Hunter said, we're going to have a main takeaway at the end. But I want you to think about this, right? They have read about the Messiah in the, in the Old Testament, the books, the history, they were uh, brought in. Uh, remember that the Jews had to memorize the five firsts of the Bible, like growing up and all of that. So, what they've read about the Messiah, if you read Isaiah, that's one, I mean, it's just one book that prophesies about uh, Jesus, the Messiah. And it talks about that, that this king is gonna come, that is gonna deliver them. That's going to um, set them free from the oppression. And, and, and they're going to, it's going to rule forever. And it's, he's, he's mighty, he's strong, he's going to defeat his enemies. So what are the Jews thinking, you know? If you know history, at the time that Jesus was born, at that Mark night. They were oppressed by the Romans. And, like, what I mean, oppressed, is oppressed, you know, financially discriminated, oppressed, mistreated, treated like lesser kind of, like humankind. And and if you've been oppressed in that kind of way, you, you understand that what you want is someone to deliver you from that. Right. So think about, I just want you, I want you to work your minds today, okay, and your imagination. So think about when he says, I am The Messiah, what is coming to their mind? Freedom. Victory. We're going to defeat the Romans, and our kingdom is going to endure forever, and we're going to be set free, and he's strong. So now we start with Mark 9.
0: So before we read Mark 9, Liz, when Peter said, you're the Messiah, and Jesus is like, yes, Peter, you got that from heaven. What's the next thing he told him?
1: The Lord forbids for you, but, you know, because Jesus says, "I'm gonna die," and Jesus is prepping them, isn't it? What kind of dis- like Jesus is so kind that he's not gonna leave their disciples like hanging with our understanding. Like Hunter has preached before, he wants us to understand. Yeah. So then, when he says, "I'm gonna die," Peter is like, "The Lord forbids."
0: Yeah, Peter, you're the Messiah. Thinking what Liz just said, the champion, the, you know, this, you know, great victorious warrior who's going to set us free. And then Jesus is like, I'm going to go die. And Peter's like,
1: no, uh-uh, you won't, you're you not. That's not the Messiah that's we're looking not, for. <laughs> that's not what we're waiting. That's not what we're picturing. So, and I feel like Old chapter 9, and I feel like this is going to be the common thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just tell you, okay? So you're like paying attention for this. Is a misunderstanding and the, the, the different expectations yeah. between the disciples and what Jesus actually came to do. So that's what we're gonna be finding in these four stories. Okay, so help just just keep your your ears of your understanding, not just your physical ears open.
0: So that's where we are when we start. Mark chapter nine. Go in your Bibles to Mark chapter nine. You can also follow along on the screen. And as usual, uh, just in case you didn't know, there is a whole outline available of every message through your Bible app or printed there in the back. Uh, I don't know if anybody's been tracing Mark. But if you've been tracing it, Mark 9 is also found in Matthew 17 and 18 and Luke 9 and 17, okay? The same thing. Mark 9 has 50 verses. How many verses? So are we ready to read and really think? And like I said, ready to learn sort of a little bit and fast forward and kind of have a conversation through it. Are we ready? Yes. All right, let's start with the first story, which is the transfiguration. And Jesus said to them... I assure you and most solemnly say to you that there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste or experience death before they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Six days later, right, six days after he said that, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. Who did he take with him? and And led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured, which means changed in form. Before them and began to shine brightly with divine and regal glory. And his clothes became radiant and dazzling, intensely white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses. Picture this. All of a sudden there's Elijah and Moses with Jesus. And they were having a conversation with Jesus. And good old Peter responded and said to Jesus, Rabbi, Master, it's good for us to be here, right? Let us make three sacred tents, one for you and one for Moses and another for Elijah, right, Peter, with his good ideas as usual. (laughs) For he did not really know what to say. Because they were terrified and stunned by the miraculous sight. Learn a lesson there when you don't know what to say. say Right? Okay. Then a cloud formed overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud. I mean, talk about being more terrified now. There's an audible voice coming out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him and obey him. Right? Suddenly they looked around and no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus alone. So now the attention is no longer Moses or Elijah. It's only him, Jesus, right? As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus expressly ordered them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they carefully and faithfully kept the matter to themselves. They were better at keeping secrets than I am. Discussing and questioning with one another what it meant to rise from the dead. They asked him, saying, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first before the Messiah comes? They'd read all this, right? He answered them, Elijah does come first and restores and reestablishes all things. And yet how is it written that the Son of Man above the son of man that he will suffer many things grief and physical distress and be treated with contempt utterly despised and rejected but i say to you elijah has in fact come already anybody know who jesus was talking about john the baptist right and they did to him whatever they wished just that is written in scripture of him
1: okay so i just can't imagine just want you to imagine like they saw jesus like Transformed into heavenly whatever that looks that we don't know. Does it make sense? And if there's light and Moses and Elijah appears and this amazing vision. I feel like it's like a real-time vision that happened. And then like Peter has no clue. Like, I don't know, like you just had this major revelation and he's like let's build shelters for the three of you and i'm like why like why wouldn't he just like say he is the son of god let's worship and just be in awe does it make sense he need he i feel like peter was already developing the plan of how the 12 the 13 were gonna conquer the romans does it make sense? So it's like, okay, he's like, he was more concerned about the plan. Well, maybe if I put three shelters and you stay forever, everybody comes and everybody's defeated. And then, like, he tells them this. And they, they still, like, don't understand. Does it make sense? Well, they say Elijah's going to come. So the revela- the kind of revelation that God is giving them is beyond their heads. Like, obviously. Does it make sense? Like, because they're not understanding, they're not seeing Elijah and John the Baptist, and they've been with him. So I I see, like... Like, they're not understanding what Jesus is doing and what he just did. But we're going to move forward.
0: Ready for the next section of the scripture? Everybody okay out there?
1: Do 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 you see why they're not understanding the revelation completely? Because Peter is coming with these ideas and then like trying to be smart and ask like why like if I would been Peter and probably I was Peter but if I would been Peter I would be like can you explain to me more about raising the dead like that's the part that I don't understand doesn't make sense like what do you mean by dying and raising from the dead like do you can you explain can you show me in the past how is this gonna happen why would he ask about Elijah and like shelters like off I feel like he's off like off
0: It's our preconceived ideas about God that keep us from, that cause us to miss out on what he has. Because, like, his ways and his thoughts are higher. But they're not difficult. It's simple.
1: But, like like, they just saw God and heard God, you know. Like, I just don't, but you know what? I feel like I don't get it, but it happens to us all the time. We can come to a service and experience the glory of God and be like, yeah, this is God. It's real. But then as soon as we cross the doors, it's like we forgot that we, God was revealed to us and that the truth was preached to us because our mindset.
0: The good thing is that with Jesus, all things are possible, right?
1: Yes. And Jesus is so kind. He, he didn't is. be like. <laughs> you know, he's like, okay.
0: The, ne- the next story he's going to, you know, remember, all right, as we get to the next portion of the scripture, we're going to keep reading. Remember, Peter James, Johns, and J- J- Peter, James, and John had just seen Jesus as God. Literally, they saw God, and now they're going to come down off of the mountain, okay? When they came back to the other nine disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and scribes questioning and arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw Jesus, they were startled and began running up to greet him. He asked them, what are you discussing with them? One of the crowd replied to him, teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him unable to speak. And when it seizes him intending to to do harm, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes stiff. I told your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't do it. He replied, and it's very important to understand who he's replying to. Read the other accounts of the gospel. Jesus is not replying to the crowd. What he's about to say, he's saying it to the 12, okay? Oh, unbelieving, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Y'all don't get it in Georgia terms, right? He rep- uh, then he said, bring him to me. They brought the boy to him. And when the demonic spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he answered, since childhood. The demon has often thrown him to both fire and water, intending to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus said, You say to me, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes and trusts in me. Does anybody believe and trust in Jesus today? Come on, somebody. All things are possible. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out with a desperate, piercing cry, saying, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You ever been there? I do believe, Lord, but not enough. Help, right? When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering around them, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After screaming and throwing him into a terrible convulsion, it came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse, so still and pale, that many of the spectators said, he's dead. But then Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he stood up. He might have been dead. I don't know. Jesus raised him up. When he had gone indoors, his disciples began asking him privately, why were we unable? Just let that sink in. (laughs) Why couldn't we do it, Jesus? Why were we unable to drive it out? And he replied, this kind of unclean spirit can't come out by anything but by prayer to the Father. Just... Let that (laughs) sink in today. The first thing they ask him, the first thing they say to Jesus after seeing what he did wasn't, wow, Jesus, you're amazing. You're the Messiah. You're the son of God. How did you do that? The question was, why couldn't we do it? What about us? rather than being on jesus was on themselves yes yes
1: and, and you know and i picture this are you like uh picturing with me and i picture this um because i know myself and i know human beings and i know my flesh and i know the flesh of humanity I've been around it a while now <laughs> i bet that the disciples when jesus is gone you know and, the, and, and this comes, and the Pharisees comes. I feel like the disciples were like, oh, this is our time to show yeah. them who we are. Because he's the Messiah, and we are the chosen ones.
0: Jesus is going to come down off so, the mountain and be all proud of us. Uh, when, right? when
1: I've been on the mission trip, and there's people sick that come to you, like, like why? Just because he says they were arguing. There's no need to argue when the miracles are happening. That's right. Doesn't make sense, there's no need to be arguing and trying to prove what you know, what you don't know, and who you are, da-da-da-da. And that's what I picture they were doing, because it's like, well, he said, like, a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, he's a Messiah. Now, we are the chosen one. Let's get this business going. Doesn't make sense. So there's commotion. There's arguing. So Jesus comes, and the first thing he says, why is this, what is all this arguing about? And, you know, because I feel like if their heart was really in doing this, it would have been done deal. Okay, let's go heal out. We don't have to prove anything to anyone. It's not about us. But this is all about, but why couldn't we?
0: Why couldn't we, Jesus?
1: Instead of like, whoa, Jesus, I'm, glad so, I'm so glad you came because we definitely can do this. But obviously you can't, you know?
0: Maybe, you know, I don't know for sure. But they might have been thinking, we'll show them. Peter, James, and John up there on the mountain with Jesus and us down here. They get to go up and but Jesus. They must be Jesus' favorites or something, right? But we, get to, we, get, we had to stick down here. We're going to show them what we can do too.
1: And I feel like Jesus was saying faithless generation just because it's like you don't know who I am still. Does it make sense? You don't know who I am. It's not so much about Like what you could do but who I am and the fact that you are with me and the fact that we have a relationship. Because he says this comes with prayer. And we know that prayer is nothing but relationship with him.
0: Yeah. Okay. Here comes another popped bubble. Ready? Just go ahead and pop it. Go. Because they still don't get it. Now Jesus is about to let them have it again. All right? (laughs) The third story, he's going to tell them again. He's going to die. And be raised from the dead.
1: Clearly. Very clearly.
0: And then we have another argument. All right. So they went on from there and began to go through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know it because he was teaching his disciples and preparing them for the future. How kind. Why, why didn't Jesus want people often to know where he was? Because they were expecting that type of Messiah. Right? They were expecting the, the warrior, the... the to, we're going to go after him, and he's going to set us free. And so they were expecting Lord, a, sort of a political figure, and, and he didn't want everybody f- want following him around expecting that. So it says he was preparing his disciples for the future, and he told them the Son of Man is to be betrayed and handed over to men who are his enemies, and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise from the dead three days later. But they did not understand this statement. And it's not the first time he told them <laughs> <laughs> And now it says, and they were afraid to even ask him what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> then they arrived at a Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, boys. Hunter ver- Amplified Version were y'all arguing about on the way here he says what were you discussing and arguing about on the road <laughs> i heard y'all i was walking up ahead and you guys were a little bit further behind but i heard y'all what were y'all arguing about right but they kept quiet because on the road they had discussed <laughs> and debated with one another which of them was the greatest
1: I, 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 I dare to assume that they, that's what they were doing yeah. in the previous story just because the way they, they act. <laughs> so
0: wonderful Jesus sits down to teach, and he calls the 12 disciples them, and he says, If anyone wants to be first, he must be last of all in importance and a servant of all. Come on, somebody say. Taking a child. He set him before them and taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives and welcomes one child such as this in my name receives me and whoever receives me not only receives me, but receives he who sent me.
1: Crazy, crazy, because they're thinking, this warrior, champion, conqueror, we're going to, it's about time, but there's going to be this war, we're going to be defeated. And they're thinking, and Jesus just told them he's going to die and going to be mistreated and he's going to rose. But then, like, it's like they're not hearing it, you know, and they're arguing who's going to be the most important in this quest, who's going to be the greatest. And then Jesus comes and, like, kind of tries to, Dude, he's so kind you know i still he's telling them you guys i'm gonna die you know like he was human this is happening then he's still giving them visuals trying them to understand that that is the opposite in the kingdom of god that is yeah. not about being big and great about serving and loving and and about you know it's just he's as he's changing trying to change the way they Think. And I feel like sometimes we're not hearing the major revelation because yeah. we are so set in what we want him to do.
0: Yeah. Right. Move on. You've been telling me that they, that, that, that they were insensitive.
1: Yes, that was insensitive. But you know what? Like this gives me hope too because I've done this plenty of times. And still God is still Jesus is teaching them and, and still till the very end is giving them visuals, is, is teaching them all these things.
0: All right, now let me say this before we read the lack, and we believe we're already going to get to the fourth story. From this part, listen, this is something that will either help you or hurt you. And hopefully if it hurts, it'll help, right? It hurts me and helps me. We often get so self-focused. Like, Jesus just said, I'm going to die, and here they are arguing about who's better. <laughs> we get so s- focused on building ourselves. I mean, I think they were thinking. I mean, it's obvious they were thinking who they were going to become, what Jesus was going to do with them, which one of them was going to be the leader, which one of them was going to do greater things, Right? they were so focused on building their future building themselves come on building we often get focused on building ourselves and who we are and what god wants to do our reputation our name getting our name out there right building our family building our career even building our ministry right that's a that's a that's a big stinky nasty ugly deal in this generation So a lot of people out there self-promoting, trying to build their ministry, but just like the disciples, we lose focus of where Jesus is actually going. Jesus was going to the cross, and if we follow him, so do we. It's not about building us, our name, our influence. It's about serving, taking up our cross, and following Jesus. And however He chooses to use me, whatever influence He chooses to give me, all glory to Him. Yes. It's not about me. Come on, say it's not about me. Not about Turn to somebody and say it's not, about it's not about you. It's not even about your ministry. About you. All right, final story. John said to Jesus, "Oh Lord." It wasn't, Peter wasn't the only one that said dumb things. John now, I mean, John, the beloved Jesus bestie said, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not in our group. Basically, he was not accompanying us as your disciple. He was trying to use your name and we tried to stop him. We told him to stop because he wasn't one of us. He's not in our group. He's not a member of Encounter church. None of us have that attitude, I know, but he's, he's, not, he's not part of our denomination or our move, or he doesn't have exactly the same doctrine we have. So we tried to stop him. And Jesus said, "Don't stop him!" For there's no one who can perform a miracle in my name who'll soon afterward be able to speak evil uh, evil of me. For he who is not against us, hello, is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name, as followers of Christ, I assure and most solemnly say to you, he will not lose his reward. I'm going to pause right there, and I want everyone to repeat after me. I I shall never publicly criticize Another ministry. another ministry. You just said it. All right. <laughs> whoever causes, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe and trust in me to stumble, that is, sin or lose their faith, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone, one requiring a donkey's strength to turn it, were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble and sin... Cut it off That is remove yourself from the source of temptation It's better for you to enter life crippled Than to have two hands and go to hell Right to go into hell into the unquenchable Fire where the worm does not die And the fire is not put out I don't believe in hell well You'd be surprised How many Christians say they don't believe In a real hell don't believe in the Real Bible then all right If your foot causes you to stumble in sin Cut it off That is, remove yourself from the source of temptation. It would be better for you to enter life, lame, than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not put out. Just making sure we all believe in hell. Okay? No one talked about hell more than Jesus. I don't know why I keep saying hell is real and people are going there. And if we're not careful with temptation and sin, we could go there. Remove yourself from the source of temptation. Okay? Be, this is no joke. We're not playing a game here. It would be better for all for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye. Wait. If your eye causes you to stumble and sin, throw it out. I think the New Living Translation says pluck it out.
1: We're going to do some plucking today. Woo. Just kidding.
0: That is remove yourself from the source of temptation. Right? Turn the phone off. Get rid of your internet or cable or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what you have to do. Whatever you have to do, don't go there. Remove yourself from the source of temptation. It would be better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye, right, than to have both eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm that feeds on the dead does not die and the fire is not put out. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good and useful, but if salt has lost its saltiness or purpose, how will you make it salty? Have, within yourself, have salt within yourselves continually be at peace with one another. Now, I know Liz has a lot to say on this one, but I just want to point out the last one was, why couldn't we do it? And this one was, why are they doing it instead of us? Why are they doing it? still about them all right
1: yes and and you know through these four stories we've seen that they have misunderstandings different expectations of what jesus is supposed to be doing but ways of thinking that were not aligned to what jesus was actually thinking or wanted to do okay so and and i love how jesus comes and and tears down the strongholds in their minds because if, if you read Leviticus 21, when it talks about people that will be close to the presence of God, it had to be like the animals that you were going to sacrifice that had to be perfect. And the priest, too. And the, uh, perfect. You know, they, they could, you couldn't be missing a leg, couldn't be missing an eye or, or an ear or whatever. And then if you wanted to be part of the priesthood, if you were in the family, but you had a missing limb or missing an eye or a crooked face or whatever, Sorry. you could not ever be in the presence of God. Because that was like kind of just foreshadowing his holiness. You know that he's all, complete. So for in that culture, if you were missing something, you could, could not approach God. You know the presence of God. You were an outcast. So first of all, Jesus comes and he touches the lame and he heals the blind. That's like a major uh, way of thinking that's different. And then he says, I'd rather you to be lame (laughs) and come to me to the presence of God than having sin in your heart. So we know that Jesus came and he's more concerned about our soul and the state of our heart than our ideas or how we look. That's yes. that make sense? So Jesus, and Hunter said it in, in chapter 8, he came to save our souls from hell. Right. And he was more concerned about eternity in our souls than the, the Romans and the Jews and the political things and all the things that were going on in that culture. So I want you to think about this. I want you to put again uh, the timeline, the first timeline. Yes. They, when they're experiencing this, they have not seen Jesus die and resurrected yet and have not experienced a Pentecost in the Pentecost in the church and the move of God and taking the kingdom everywhere what we have. We have, through the years, not only our own testimony that speaks of what the Lord's done with each one of us, but with her history, we've seen the testimony of what these 12 disciples did, the 11 after Jesus rose from the dead. We not only seen the testimony that we're standing here right now because of their testimony, but we've heard, we've read history. We read church history. We've seen revivals. We've heard of revivals. We've heard the story we are, we have seen testimonies of revivals and some of us are standing here because a move of God and I am one oh, of them yeah. you know and but we still have this in common with the disciples so you want to know what it is we still expect Jesus to save my family a certain way to heal me from my sickness a certain way to deliver me from my financial so we still have ideas of how the Messiah needs to save me from my circumstance right now and because we are so focused on how it should be, we are missing the greater revelation. We are missing the greater salvation. And I know why. And I know how. And I can tell you why you're missing it. Because when you come to church, you're not grateful enough to worship the King of King and the Messiah that died and rose again from the dead. Because when we are aware that the major problem that we have is the salvation of our heart and our soul, that is enough.
0: As Liz was saying that, this just, you know, just hit me. When I am so, when I live my life focused on the way I think it should be, and that's not being met, I miss out on what really is, on what all that God actually does have for me. I can't even see it. I can't even hear it. I can't even experience it because I'm so self focused and 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 worried about it not happening the way I think it ought to.
1: But that's not our, our main takeaway. Are you ready? No, nope, that's not it. Are you guys ready? Say I'm ready. As a person next to you, are you ready? Wake, ¿Estás shake listo? Está listo. You ready? Wake up. You're ready for the main takeaway. Through all, like, this experiences with Jesus and through all the Jesus changing their ways of thinking, you know, like, here, no, this is the great. This is what it means to be great. This is what I came for. I'm going to die. Da da da. And they were probably confused, right? And probably yeah. trying to do their best, trying to understand their best. But this is the thing. Even with all of that, they stuck with Jesus. And aren't you thankful that they stuck with Jesus. And we are here because they did not turn away from him. But even when they did not understand, even when he actually died and they were in despair, they still stuck, stuck with, with Jesus. Them. And he, they stuck with each other. They
0: stuck together. You know, we learned last Sunday that the way it really works is, you guys Remember? When Peter didn't understand and he had a bad attitude, what did Jesus do with his back? He said, "Peter." In summary, the only way forward is to follow. And the amazing thing is, although there, all their bubbles were bursted, right? Bursted it.
1: They bar- bursted it.
0: Many unmet expectations, many wrong ways of thinking, but they kept on following him. Yes. And little by little, Jesus reshaped their expectations. That's right. And that's what happens when we follow Jesus. You know, our only expectation should be what we see in his word, and to obey and to follow. How he does it, when he does it, with whom. We should allow him to shape our expectations as we follow. Yes. As we go. And I'm so thankful. Like Liz says, I'm so thankful that at least 11 of the 12 stuck with Jesus and stuck together. Even at one point when Jesus said, you know, the thing about the blood and eating his flesh and all that kind of stuff. And and so so many disciples, believers, were like, nope. Not can't follow you anymore. I don't understand that. And I don't like it. Right? When they didn't understand something or when they didn't like something, they distanced themselves from Jesus. But not the 12 that became 11. Right? Because one did. You find out that Judas all along and we, didn't plan to stick with Jesus because he didn't like it.
1: And sometimes we're more like Judas than the 12 yeah. when we don't understand
0: So the secret, here's the takeaway, right? The main thread, the main theme, the main takeaway is the secret of kingdom living is to stick with Jesus and stick together no matter what the cost. No matter the cost. They didn't only stick with Jesus. They stuck with one another. We don't read later. After Jesus' resurrection and ascension, about the 11 being scattered. They were
1: doing their own thing.
0: Together. They were together. So only those who stick with Jesus and stick together, the body of Christ, will experience the abundant life Jesus promised.
1: And think about our timeline. Let's go to our first timeline. When Jesus went up to heaven. What was left on earth was a church to advance the kingdom of God. And this morning, I feel like the Lord wants to set us free from our conceived ideas of the church and the lack of disconnect that we are living because there's you know the life flows through the head, but the head is Jesus, but Jesus is the head of the church. Yes, Okay, you know, okay, yes, the, li- the life only fl- flows through the head, and that head is Jesus. And the head is the head of the church. So there is no life away from the body of Jesus Christ. There's no, I don't, I don't care what you think. I've seen it with my eyes. The moment we detach from the body of Christ, the moment we start shriveling and dying. And I want to read this verse to you, Ephesians 1, through 24. And he put all things in every realm in subjection under Christ's feet. And appointed him as supreme and authoritative head over all things in the church. Which is his body. Say his body. His body. The fullness of. Him, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read here. The fullness of, um, where am I? Him who fills and completes all things in all believers. I'm going to read that again. So it says, the fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all believers. It's saying here that the fullness of Jesus Christ fills and completes every area every part of his body which is our us the believers but I don't see that is reading that he completes and fills and fulfills outside his body so I'm going to show you an example and I'm going to ask Arja and my team that's going to help me to come up here a little faster <laughs> we're running out of time cool okay So you guys go here, go go down, Becca and Aaron, if you can come down off the stage, yes. Okay, so I want you to think of the body of Jesus as this, you know, and I want you to think this is Jesus' head, okay? I'm sorry, Jesus, but he is the head of the church, and he's the head of the church. He is the face of the church, and let me tell you why this is important. Because when you close your eyes and you think about the church, some of you think about the people you don't like that you had to put up with. Because some of you think about that pastor, that leader that hurt you and made you miserable. Some of you think of your parents forcing you to go to church every Sunday. You know, Some of you think about something you had to put up with so your mom can let you use her car. Some of you think about the annoying people you have to minister to because it's your cross. You know, I don't know what you think about, but I want you to think that the head of the church and the face of the church is the Lord Jesus. (laughs) And yes, I use a medium because we have not seen yet the face of Jesus face to face. So we don't even know how he exactly looks like, but we have felt him and seen him in the spirit, right? So he's the head, you know, and the body is connected. Okay, so Kwame, come. So, Kwame believes in Jesus and, and gets plugged in into the body, which is the church. And, and listen, I'm not, I am not talking about encounter church only. I want you to understand that the church of Jesus Christ is in every single corner of the world. And if not, it will be because Jesus is ahead and he is a champion and he is a victory and he is gonna rule the earth and he's gonna come back so okay so diana come come i like how uh, diverse this body is okay so we are being connected to the body of christ and why why do we need to be connected because the life of jesus christ only flows through the body it does not flow anywhere else So my goal is that you today can fall in love with the body of Christ and the church because it's the most amazing thing that has ever happened to me and that could ever happen to you. You know, so anyways, I've heard, this is what the picture that Jesus gave me in my head, actually. So I come to the body of Christ and I get connected, but then I don't like things. Things happen because what? Guess what? Look at you. I am a human. I am annoying. I sometimes I'm rude. I sometimes I'm moody. I sometimes I'm disrespectful. I sometimes do not notice. I sometimes I don't remember birthdays or names. I sometimes have my own problems to be remembered every single one of your problems so yes you're gonna get offended because i offend how about you okay so what happens i disconnect and this is this is a lie that i want you to see the deceit of the enemy i love jesus i love jesus my heart's towards jesus but not the church first of all how could you like Love one part, but not love the, 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 the whole thing.
0: I don't just love Liz's head.
1: I just, you know, but I love Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus, but I don't do the church thing. Well, you don't do the church thing. How, how are you going to have life? How are you going to have the abundant living life? The Bible talks about he is the vine and we are the branches. That if we're not connected to the vine, we are not producing any fruit or having any life. And it also talks about how if you cut off your hand, leave it there and see if it lives. It's going to rot and die. We have a lot of us in this church and every single church that like Jesus but do not like the church so your heart is not towards the church and you're not connected and you are not, so then you're not growing. There's no life and there's no joy and there's no power of Jesus flowing through you. Because you are just living off the radiation. Does that make sense? Like the heat—is that? Do you guys get it? You stay. You, you. They are hot. Their life is flowing. You know, when 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 you get close to a light bulb, you feel the heat a little bit, right? But you are not transferring the heat. You're not. You're not being used to produce that. Does that make sense? So some of us are living, are and some of you, like, how do you say, survive off of the heat and power of this because you're just close. But the moment you take a little, like, step that's farther, the moment you're going to st- die and start dying. So thank you, guys. Give them a hand. Jesus.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I don't know what part of the body you are. Let's just say you're the ankle. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want to be connected to the church. The issue is all of the, the life comes from the head. And to, for the ankle to be able to be the ankle and do what the ankle does, it's got to get a signal all the way from the head down the neck the spinal cord all the way down your leg eventually down the ankle and and we wonder why we wonder why we can't do what we're supposed to do
1: or we're not advancing in victory
0: we're wondering why we're not yeah we, we, we don't experience the life and the victory that we know we could and we should we wonder why is it it's so hard to like get something done. Yeah. Let's check how connected we are.
1: And let me tell you, the church is powerful. There's no other organization in earth, on this earth, that can come together and experience the presence of God yeah. in healings, in deliverance of addictions, in healing of the heart and the soul. None. None. But But we have mistreated the church. We have spoken badly about the body of Jesus Christ. We very easily, like, now with social media, it's very easy to batch this and that. And and you know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying there's no church abuse. There is. And I'm not saying there's no hurt. There is. You know, but where is the Jesus in all of this? What is Jesus saying to you? Because, yes, you know, you thought you were going to be great, but your journey has been more about forgiving each other than anything else. But he cares more about your heart, that your heart is free, is free from bitterness and, and, and from any sort of um, stronghold in addiction.
0: Uh, you know, just heard the Holy Spirit saying when we were talking through all of this, you referenced John 15, 4, remain in me and I'll remain in you. This is Jesus saying, A branch can't produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. And I just, I heard the Holy Spirit saying, many have separated themselves from the vine because they didn't like the other branches. But the separation isn't just from the other branches, it's from the vine. And, you know, that doesn't hold water. (laughs) You can't say, well, I'm really not, where I ought to be in my relationship with God because the church, right? Um, if I truly love Jesus with my whole heart, I'll do whatever it takes to love the church with my whole heart. Because that's how we stay connected.
1: And just think about all the giftings and the callings and the five, um, how do you call it, the 5 Five-fold ministries. All of that is to build up the church.
0: Yeah. It's all in divine.
1: It's all to, to, to build up like for the church. And sometimes we're trying to do our thing, and it just never flourishes because it's outside of loving what he loves the most. But the thing is that he's gonna come back for his bride, which is the church. He's gonna come back for his bride.
0: For his body.
1: For his body.
0: Not body parts. Yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> You know, he's not saying, I'm going to come back for the fingers or the kidney.
0: You know, we're going to get ready and and close this. We may have a few more things to say. But I just felt like um, before I pray with others, because I want you to just listen to the Holy Spirit. I feel like the Holy Spirit says he was going to give us a gift of repentance today. And it's for two things. One is repentance for dense distancing myself from Jesus, when I don't understand or I don't like something, I don't understand that Jesus, or I don't like that,
1: or I don't under, i don't know—I don't like what you're doing. This is what you should have done. You know, my family should have been put together. You, I should have been out of debt. I should have been healed by now. So when that doesn't happen, we disconnect. We grow
0: cold and we disconnect, or we follow at a distance.
1: And you could be here and you could be in your church, but your heart is disconnected.
0: And then the other one, so, is that there's this gift of repentance. And it's, it's a gift. It's here today. We just have to receive it. We have to act on it. It's for distancing ourselves from one another when things get tough. When there are difficult relational issues to work through. When we don't like how different people do things. Or we get offended. Or disappointed. And, you know... There are people that are suffering. I'd just be super raw with you today, all right? Some of us are suffering because we're lacking life. <laughs> we're wondering where our joy is. And you might be saying, my relationship with Jesus, I mean, we're great, but how about your relationship with the body? There may be a lack of life flowing to you. Because there's somebody it's supposed to be flowing through and you're disconnected because of things got tough. See, sorry, baby. I think these are the last phrases that we have there in the outline. The, The life of the kingdom flows through those who stick with Jesus no matter what. And also the life of the kingdom flows through those who stick together no matter what.
1: And I just hear the Holy Spirit saying, like, we think about, like, oh, my goodness, how could they be thinking about themselves only and being so great? And Jesus said, this, this kid, like, if you welcome this, or if you want to be the leader, you must be the servant of all. So we are in the same place because it's so hard to submit to each other. It's so hard to submit because we think we know better. So we are in the same position saying, Who's gonna be the greatest? I'm the greatest. I shouldn't be submitted to Julian. Like I should not be doing that. What he's asking me to do because I know better. So what is the difference between Jesus trying to come and change our perspective, and us being stuck in our expectation? And then when it doesn't happen, we pull away from each other, and you pull away from the from him.
0: So I just want to ask. For the next few minutes, if we could avoid getting up and down, going in and out, Um, we're going to, you're not locked in the sanctuary or anything, but the doors are going to remain closed for the next few minutes, because we just want to reverence the presence of God. A lot of times we get to prayer time, and people feel like it's time to get up and go or go to the bathroom or whatever, but if we could just avoid that for the next couple of minutes, just reverence God's presence. Jesus is here. Okay. Um, Worship team, actually, you guys can go ahead and come on back. Maybe, um, just maybe, you came today and you're hearing all of this and you're like, I I want to be (laughs) connected to Jesus. I want to be connected to the life. But maybe you've never even been born again. Listen, just hear this. Jesus said, you must be born of the Spirit. You must be born again. And then he says, you must be born of the Spirit. It's, on, it's something only the Spirit of God can do. When we call on the name of Jesus, we repent of our sins, and we turn our heart towards God, and we believe that Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the grave, If we we believe it in our heart and we confess it with our mouth, the word says we'll be saved, we'll be born again. Literally, the Holy Spirit comes in your heart and does a miracle, gives you a new life. You must be born of the Spirit to even begin to experience this life. And just right now, in reverence of God's presence, if you would, everyone just bow your heads, close your eyes. If you need to be born again today, you say, I want to be born again. I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Would you just really quickly just lift your hand and let me know who you are. You can put it up and down. Who else says that's me? Praise the Lord. Awesome. Who else says that's me? I want to be born again. All right, and i feel very strongly there's there's three or four of you that say i want to be born again some of you you can look back and say i was born again come on take this to heart today guys this is not a game heaven is real hell is real and now is our chance some of you may, may be able to look into the past of your life and say yes i was born again i i did give my life to jesus but I am really not following Jesus. I'm not connected to Jesus. Or I've allowed whatever circumstances, things I don't understand, things I don't like, I've allowed that to to, to just cause me to distance myself from Jesus. And today, you say, I'm gonna rededicate my life to Jesus. I'm gonna come back home to Jesus. If that's you, again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, would just wave at me real quick, say, that's me. All right, who else says that's me?